friends. I'm Katie. And I'm Olivia. And we are Podcast by Proxy, Canadian True Crime. Welcome. We're live. Pew pew. Hello. Very late in the day again. <laughs> not too late this time. It's not 8 p.m. No, I just knew we were leaving it till Monday. PBP in the morning-ish. Yeah, we're morning people. We are definitely morning people. Everybody knows that, but here we are. We're both pumpkin hard at like 7 p.m. Oh, yeah. I'm an 8.30 p.m. bed kind of gal, for sure. I'm like a 9, 9.15 now because yeah. I had to compromise with my spouse, but oh, I Oh, I will go to bed without you. I don't care. Oh, it's not that. It's just sometimes we, like, won't see each other if one of us mm. doesn't make the effort to get up early or stay up late. Right. So Yeah, that's understandable. I think Brandon and I were talking about this recently, actually, that, like, the way our jobs work, we're very lucky in that mm-hmm. we see each other a lot, like, on the weekends sometimes or in the afternoon. If he's like, oh, do you mind if I go golfing? It's like, yeah, I've seen enough of you. We spend so much time together. It's cool. Like, we're not people that, like go to our jobs for eight to nine hours a day and don't see each other and then, like, only see each other when we get home. Like, he's in and out all day. I work at home. So sometimes I forget that, like, yeah, people have to go out of their way to have that, like, quality time, whereas this guy's (laughs) in my business all day long. Yeah, it just... Which I love, but, you know. Yeah, you guys do like to be all up in each other's business, which I also love. It's cute. Oh, yeah, we will make, like, going to the gas station a date... Grocery shopping? Date. Yeah, you guys are just genuinely cute together. So. Ah! Anyways, we're not going to talk about Brandon at the um, beginning of this episode again. But no. Oh, no, no, no. Speaking of the missing schedules thing, it's funny because I was actually just talking to my boss the other day and she was saying, like, she's super close with her girls, like her kids. Sure. And one of them is, like, 15 and now that she has a job and she has an extracurricular a few nights a week, she's like, I go to bed at, like, 8 p.m. She gets home at 8.30. Mm-hmm. She's like, there's three days a week. We just don't see each other. Yep. Like, Tuesday, we're like, see you Friday. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. And it's weird to think that that's just some family's dynamics, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. People have to sleep. <laughs> well, and, yeah, go to work and do their extracurriculars and it's the way it is. Yeah. We all have different... lifestyles and we make it work yeah that's what it is yeah kids pets jobs hobbies yeah we do what we do my pet is whining at the door meow which Uh, one oh okay the the kitten but uh welcome back to podcast here we are he's probably 20 pounds now Uh, i don't have to weigh him again i feel like he gains a pound a day uh no i'm not overfeeding him meanwhile my tiny cat is just like beep 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 walking around the room right now yeah, no. I can't let him in here because he'll fuck around with all the cords under my desk. And so he can't be in here while eat we your plant? No, he doesn't eat the plants, thank God. He is like survival of the fittest. He only eats the one plant in the house that is not toxic to him. He's like sniffed them all out and he's like, you'll do. Seriously, like, because I was a bit worried when we first got him. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to assess this. If he's constantly going at them, I'm either going to have to like hide them for a bit until he's older or I'm going to have to just, like, no longer be a plant girly, which is devastating because we all know I love my plants. Um, yeah, and he was definitely very interested right out the gates. 
Yeah, he was, but he has never really gone for them. Like he, I have this massive Monstera right now that I'm like, uh, I am just watching it. I don't know. I'm just fostering it for a while. Um, and I was again afraid he was going to be swatting at it and trying to eat it. He doesn't go near it. The only plant that that cat notoriously goes at to eat is the ponytail palm, which he is allowed to eat. Not toxic. So, yeah, like, survival of the fittest, man. You made it. Proud of you. Um, Wednesday walks near, like, every plant, and we're like, no. She's like, okay. It's like a one-time thing. She's so funny that way with stuff. Like, she just has such an attitude that you're like, no. And she's like, I didn't want it anyway. Mm, Screw you. Yeah, Marshall's the opposite. No attitude. (laughs) Mine. Literally just wants to be up in your face. Like the seagull from. Correct. Finding Nemo. Like, mine. Mine, mine, mine. When he's swatting at something. Correct. Yeah. Big old meaty paws. So welcome back. Um, before we get started, don't forget to follow us on socials. Podcast by Podcast. I was just going to say, where can they follow us? On where Instagram, can they find us? Um, mostly Instagram, Facebook. Case suggestions. Email. Podcast by proxy at gmail.com for case suggestions. And rate and review on your favorite platform. Spotify and Apple are great. And Katie's telling us a story today. Pew, pew. Yeah, I didn't fuck up, uh, mess up this week. <laughs> so for the record, last week, everybody, I did all my research, sat down, and went, you will not believe this case. It's so sad. She went, oh my God, what case? I told her. She goes, you know, the one that I was going to do because of these important bits of information. I was like, <laughs> That case nope, I've but been low-key working on since we started the podcast. <laughs> I just was to be fair space cadet. To be fair, we need we don't right now have like a proper case tracker. We used to, and then somewhere along the way it just kinda like stopped getting used and we just show up with a case that we're covering. So perhaps we should start our case tracker again. Yeah, I actually was looking at an old template that we had the other day and trying to figure out with one that someone has sent us, what we want to, like, merge of the two. And yeah. I, I, yeah, it's definitely a work in progress. Yeah, we'll get back to it so we don't have that hiccup again. But we we are good. We made it happen. Luckily, I was, like, a, two hours away from finishing my case. So I was like, yeah. you let me just go speed finish and I'll be And back. she did. She well, delivered. I, I was done. I just needed to, like, put it together in a cohesive manner because um, when I take notes – when I'm doing a case, like, it's all over the place. I could yeah. get better at categorizing my notes, and I just simply don't. It is a chaos. I tend to do my notes in, like, little chunks, but with lots of space between them. Mm-hmm. Because I know that, like, these events happened quite a bit of time away, so there's sure. going to be something to put between them. So mine still end up being quite chronological. And if I have to, like, really squeeze something in, I will write in a different colored pen sure. in, like, the margin. But... Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think we both could probably be a little more chronological. Yeah. Screw it. It's our show. Okay, let's get going. Let's okay. get going. So, today, we are going to talk about a case that I think is important as a cautionary tale to young adults and teens who are out partying and... That's all I'm going to say. We'll get into it. We've all done it. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about Lucas Strasser Heard. 
The reason that this case really, like, I think kind of punched me in the gut the first time I heard it is because a song that to me just gives me, like, full body chills is Mad World by Gary Jules. Love it. Yep. And this episode opens to Lucas playing this song on the piano, no sheet music, with headphones in, because he is someone who can listen to a song and play it with no, oh, I have, like, goosebumps right now, with no, like, musical education. He's someone who can just hear something and repeat it. Okay, Elton John. Right? (laughs) That's all I think and that about. was one of his favorite songs from the movie Donnie Darko. So, yep. and it just gave me like full body chills, opening scene, just him playing this song and his little sister videotaping him. It's like, oh, this is a sidebar. And I apologize to anybody who like hates remixes. Like if you love an original <laughs> song and you hate a remix. So I also love that song, but I've been really into like, Timmy trumpet and like techno because like at the gym and like cardio music anyway so yeah. there is a mad world cover by Timmy trumpet and Gabri Ponte and it's like mad world meets techno hyper world hyper music yes it's so that's actually hilarious kind of because phenomenal. Lucas and his friends are like obsessed with EDM okay I love and this. love that kind of music and I actually like plan to go to like Tomorrowland. Oh, cool. Okay. For anyone who doesn't know, is like one of Europe's biggest, well, it is Europe's biggest EDM music festival ever, Tomorrowland. And it looks incredible. Like, once you look it up, I would be shocked if it's not on your bucket list because, like, holy crap, it's cool. Lucas was born to his parents, Audrey and Dale, um, as their miracle child. Audrey had suffered with severe endometriosis and issues with her, like, reproductive organs and was told she likely would never have children. But as high school sweethearts, they were just boning it out anyway. And surprise, they had their miracle baby. The universe had different plans. I love it. And honestly, when I watch this, like, you really love his dad throughout the whole documentary. Um, or anything you read, because every news clip, every article, his dad is there. He is the person that's, like, the face of his case. Part of this is because Lucas was two months premature and had water on his lungs, so his dad spent a lot of time at the hospital with him, and because he worked from home, he essentially became, like, the stay-at-home dad to Lucas, because he was this little baby. Right. After being in... The preemie wing for, like, weeks he came home, stayed with his dad. They're living in Calgary, but at about a year old, his parents split. And because of just, you know, family dynamics changed throughout a divorce, he ends up going with his mother, who he's also really close with. They all have very strong relationships, um, to Bolivia for a while. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Like, upwards of, like, four or five years, it sounds like, to live with her dad, his grandpa. And so at, like, the age of six, he comes back to Canada or to Calgary. And, like, it sounds like his dad never missed a beat while he was away still. Like, they were just like this the whole time. My fingers are crossed, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I realize no one could see that. Um, It was really cute, though, because his dad said that when he got back, all he wanted to do was play hockey. But, like, 
you know, in South America, there's no hockey rink. So he didn't even know how to skate. So his dad's like, I pretty much had to teach him like years of skating in like months yep. to get him ready for hockey season. Um, and he ended up being like really good at it because he was just someone who like piano or music just picked up a stick or something right. was like a pro. So athletic. Yeah, just super talented, well-rounded. Honestly, when I was listening or reading this and, like, looking through articles, even though they don't look alike, he honestly kind of gave me, like, Ryan Stuka vibes, as in, like, just such a good kid. He's, like, this young, handsome guy with, like, his whole life right. ahead of him. Oh. I'm actually writing another case that's really similar to that. Yeah, it's they're tough. Yeah. Like, when you see, like, someone at this age who, like has their shit together too and you're like holy crap you were like the Mm -hmm. doctors of the world like which he wanted to be we come to find out but yeah and the age i mean all every case is hard we always talk about that but i think this age um like you said when like their whole life is ahead of them it feels very much like something was like super stolen i don't know yeah that like right out of high school Mm -hmm. early university age when you're just figuring it all out Mm -hmm. and like, everyone around you is sitting back going, like, holy crap, kid, you're going to be something. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... everyone else can see it in you, and then you just see it, like, ripped away. Yeah. Oh, God, it's devastating. And I think this just, like, again, hits home because my niece, who I worry about every day, is this age. And she's out at the bars and nightclubs, so, yeah. Lucas had no shortage of friends or a hard time making them, whether he was in South America or Canada. He was just, like, everyone's friend. He always stuck up for everybody. He was just a good person. Um, He also shared a huge interest with his best friend Bryce in Bitcoin. (laughs) And his friend Bryce said that, like, had he invested when we were, like, really talking about it, like, he would have been so rich. Yeah, fair. (laughs) People that got in early, for sure. Yeah. Um... So Audrey and Dale, when they were, everyone was back in Calgary, his parents, they split, or well, he essentially split his time willingly between both his parents because family was like the biggest deal to him. Um, But he started to spend a little bit more time at his dad's because he had a little sister there who was nine years younger than him, but he was like best friends with. He just like did everything with her. He never talked down to her. She just said that he was, like, the best big brother and would, like, play video games with him and board games. And she was just, like, constantly learning stuff from him because he was so kind to her. My brother was not kind to me when he played games. (laughs) No, mine was eight years older than me. Mine wasn't kind to me really about anything when we were kids. Oh, we were, like, nice to each other. Just I have trauma from playing board games with my little brother. I think people have trauma from playing Monopoly with you. For a good reason. Yeah, generational trauma. Yes. You need to fix that Monopoly generational trauma before you ever pass it along. I just won't play board games anymore. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) It's this running joke (laughs) in my life. After high school, he would be sad to leave his family and his close friends But his grandpa, who was in South America, reached out to him and said, why don't you come live with me for a year, just gain life experience, um, and just get paid travel, essentially. He's like, I will pay for you to come down here. You can live with me. Just gain the experience. It'll be great for you. So he heads on down to Bolivia, and he did really love his time there. He met a lot of people he really enjoyed, 
but he really missed Calgary and mostly his friends. So Ramsey, Shawari, and Bryce Sunberg were his two best friends who were dying for him to get home. And like, even before he came home, they were like, dude, when you get home, we're going to go to the bar. We're going to do this. Like they were that kind of friends where they like had, they had like the next eight months planned when he came home kind of thing. Right. It was so cute. Again, that age is very much like you're into your friends. Because I feel like a lot of people will be like, why would somebody rather be in Calgary, Alberta than exploring (laughs) Bolivia? And the answer is 18 years old (laughs) or 19 or however old he is at this point. Um, I only cared about my friends. Yeah, same. Yeah. So the day finally arrives, November 22nd of 2013, and Lucas flies into Calgary Airport to be greeted to a day full of hanging out with his friends before he plans to spend the next day with family setting up the Christmas tree. This is when he gets off the plane and he is like, guys, I found my calling. I know what I'm doing with my life now. That was also why I needed to get back. I'm going to be a trauma surgeon. And potentially go work in, like, war zones. Like, he's like, I just need to help people. It is what I've always done. It's what I need to do. And he, like, seemed to have, like, the grades and lifestyle to do it, I think. Sure, yeah. Like That's ambitious and, like, kind of scary. I know. And, like, his dad and everyone were, like, really proud of him. And I get that. Yeah, like, brave man, for sure. That's brave. I want to do that. Can you be a trauma surgeon at home in a hospital? <laughs> it's just no. a little bit safer. <laughs> no, no, no. So his friend Bryce, Bryce hosts a small party for him and they plan to head out to see a DJ after um, this after a long day of just like shopping. He needed to get a local phone number again. So he's got his cell phone again. He's just like really getting reconnected with being like A young adult again. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) So they head out to a few nightclubs and bars. Uh, One of their friends is DJing at a local place. Um, After the first two pubs or bars, they head to Vinyl Nightclub. There's a free DJ show happening there of a DJ that they're all pretty fond of. And they're, again, like we said earlier, by fluke, they are huge EDM fans and had actually that night... I'm assuming had a few drinks and been like, oh, man, yeah. They had made plans for eight music festivals they were going to go to, including Tomorrowland the following, like, June or July. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Eight music festivals. That's wild. Throughout the night at Vinyl, in the last little bit of the evening, a few friends from high school come to visit. It's just funny. Nightclub name. It's so funny because I spent a lot of time in Calgary, and so I can like picture all of these places. Like I've been out in Calgary. I haven't been there, but like I know where it is. Um, And like the airport and stuff. Like I've spent so much time at the Calgary airport, so it's like I can picture all of these things, and it's funny. Oh my goodness, because yeah, I think when I was looking it up, it was like around like 10th Avenue or something, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I just, well, maybe this will make a little more sense to you as I'm explaining it, because to me, honestly, it was a little bit confusing. I had to re-listen to the explanation of the layout a few times, but this may make some more sense to you then. (laughs) By all accounts, these guys are having like the best night. Okay. Everyone's there, 
High school friends start showing up to visit Lucas because they've missed him. Friends from his job while he was in high school, things like that. Yeah. This was until another group of young men, while him and his friends are standing outside, begin yelling, name-calling, and just being belligerent towards a man who they believe to be the bouncer near the door. Oh, okay. Lucas is like... So imagine at the Strathcona, like Sticky Wicket. Yep. You're at the front doors. You're like 10 feet up the hill and standing at the edge of the sidewalk. That's where Lucas is. Okay. Yep. Other guys at the door, like 10 feet away, but there's a bunch of people in between. That's yeah. the best way I can lay it out. Sure. Like and there's kind of like a lineup kind of thing. Yeah. Like it's kind of late in the night. Some mm-hmm. people have poured out this door. Some people have like come around the side. It's just like there's some people just like lingering everywhere waiting for cabs and stuff. It's just, there's just a lot of people. Okay. It's like 1 a.m. So Lucas hears this and he's like, dude, shut up. Like, don't be an asshole. Right. He then hears a bunch of racial slurs directed at people who may speak Spanish, regardless of where they may live, but they are directed towards people of Spanish descent. And remember, Lucas has just come home from South America where he has like a strong kinship with people of Spanish speaking descent. Right. Yeah. Like he just was. So he just kind of felt like, I think, a little bit more protective. And, like, defense, those like defensive and protective yeah. of those people because he was just surrounded by a similar culture and by similar people. And so he's feeling like he needs to protect them. Exactly. Or stand like up for them. There was just a bit more of a bond there or sure. a reason that he felt exactly like he needed to step up. So, again, he's yelling to this guy to just, like, shut up, leave the guy alone. It's not worth it. The man hurling the slurs immediately just, like, turns around, comes over to Lucas and starts forcibly pushing him all of that guy's friends immediately gather around lucas and they like kind of almost try to like corral him further away to like fight him or beat him up okay sequentially at the same time bryce who's still in the nightclub is getting text messages from another friend in the group saying like we have to go we have to go but no context yeah like come outside we gotta go Yeah, like, we got to get the hell out of here. You're our DD. Let's go. Well, and, like, you know, think about it. If you're out with your friends and somebody's inside, you know that they're driving you. One of your other friends gets in a fight. Absolutely. Like, SOS. And it kind of seemed like exactly that. Like, hey, man, we got to go. We're outside. Dude, get out here. We got to go. And it just kind of gets a little bit more pushy and, like, stressed feeling. Mm -hmm. I have sent those texts. (laughs) So have I. <laughs> gotta go, gotta go. SOS. We gotta go. One. Hurry up. Yep. Living without you. Yep. Gotta go. <laughs> so the bouncer kind of sees this now because as they move a bit further away, he can see over the crowd. Sure. And he interjects and he goes and kind of separates the two and says that he's going to take Lucas back inside and leave the group outside of the bar and like let it cool off. Like he's taking him inside to keep an eye on him. Okay. And trying to get the other group to like just to leave the away. bar for the night. Just go yeah. away. Yep. Okay. He's severely outnumbered. There's like 10 to 15 of them and Lucas. So like good on he can the only take him inside. Good on the bouncer. Yeah. Now for note, Lucas's friends say that he is kind of fearless okay. in every situation. In this moment, Lucas was terrified. Oh, they could wow. see like fear in him that he was going to get attacked again. Mm-hmm. And he genuinely feared that guy out there. Well, and again, guys. you said he was like wildly outnumbered, so crazy outnumbered yeah and his group of friends were like 
I think, like, six people at this point, And there was, like, potentially 15 of them. Right. And two of his friends are still inside. So it's right. like... So as we said, he's really shooken up. He's very scared. And then as they start to get a better look at him, they can see that he's already got like a bit of a bloody nose. He's a little bit beat up. And Lucas and his group, their car is like outside now and ready to go. Mm-hmm. So they think that they could go to the back of the nightclub, go out a back door, oh, get in no. their car and just leave. Oh, no. Okay. So they tell the driver. Now, I'll be honest. It sounds like it's one of their friends is in the car already outside the nightclub. Okay. What I was reading, it kept saying their car was there. It made it imply that it was a cab. However, I think it was just the ride that they were taking. Okay. And this is the guy who was getting the text of, like, we got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's two guys that interchangeably will drive Bryce's car to, like, help. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point it's actually not Bryce. Sorry. I think it's... um, his other best friend, who is Ramsey, because at one point he does go out to move Bryce's car. We come to find out. So Ramsey went outside to get the car at the beginning, and that's when they were texting Bryce, like, hey, man, we got to go. But okay. it sounds like maybe he just went and got the car. Okay. I'm, I'm tracking. There's a lot of people outside this nightclub, and they're doing it all by CCTV footage. So it is followable, but it is quite confusing with the amount of bodies involved. Uh, I just looked it up, too. The reason that I that vinyl stuck out to me is because it's right down the road from Twisted Element, which is the, <laughs> like, LGBTQ bar. Yeah. And I've been there. <laughs> so. That is more than fair. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so why fun. it sticks out to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just think vinyl is a cool nightclub name. Like, I know this is a horrendous case and story we're getting into, and I will trigger warning. It gets quite graphic in some ways. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think vinyl is just a cool nightclub name. So the bouncers say that they're going to take Lucas inside for like 20 to 30 minutes and let the other guys get out of there. We come to find out later that they literally just like walked him through the nightclub and like sent him out the back door. He was inside for like five minutes. Oh, so they didn't like keep him in there to keep they him safe. They did not they keep lo- him in. I mean, in fairness, they're just trying to separate them, right? So he walked him into the club yeah. and walks him out a different door. Like, just get away from these people. And no one in this situation, in this whole scenario from the nightclub, was ever held liable for anything. Fair. They essentially did their job. Now, the only thing that was looked down upon is they said, we kept him inside for 30 minutes. Right, and they didn't. But then when they look back at all the footage, which in Calgary, the nightclubs are heavily CCTV footaged, mm-hmm. they can see him like bring them inside, walk through the nightclub, and then walk go out. out the back door. Right. And then out the back door is kind of a blind spot. Right. So essentially what happens is... While the group's outside, they want to get them through the nightclub, get them out to the alley, have the car in the alley waiting for them. They get in, and they just leave. And then the other group won't know where they went, and just, it'll be over. Everyone's drunk and stupid. Sure. It that make, it makes sense. Like It if does. You, and If you are a person that yeah. has gone out to nightclubs, like, this is also happening super fast, and you're not the only people there that are drunk and And even his two sober friends that are there, like the DD, yeah. even he was like... I thought this was just a drunk argument. Exactly. I thought we'd be leaving the bar in 10 to 20 minutes and yeah. it would be over and that would be it. He's like, none of us could have seen this coming. Like it's not the most uncommon thing in the world that's ever happened at a friggin' nightclub. <laughs> like, no. Unfortunately, the other group that's involved just happens to be a big bag of shit. Right. And take it way too far. Way too far. Yeah. Okay. 
Bryce offers to switch Lucas shirts, seeing how scared he is to try and throw them off of who's who. Um, or maybe just to think that they're different people altogether because he can genuinely see how scared he is. But they think, let's just quickly get out of here instead. Mm-hmm. The moment that they come into sight out from behind, like the door in the garbage can, all they hear is, there he is, get him. <sighs> so with no time to react, the approximate group of 10 men at this point swarm and pile Lucas. They are punching him and kicking him. His friend Bryce is repeatedly trying to push through the men to get into him to help him because he can hear him yelling, you're killing me, please stop, I'm dying. Oh my god. Like I said, this case is really hard. That's And like at this point we're in like a dark alley is what I imagine. Yeah. Oh, it's really dark and the, he's kind of, That's... because they've like run in and charged him. He's fallen, like, in a corner by there's, like, a dumpster, a wall, and then a, the, just the concrete ground. Like, yeah. he can't go anywhere. I can picture it. Yeah. Bryce immediately knows how bad this is and calls 911. After being punched a few times on his own trying to get through, he realizes that he needs to call authorities because he can't stop these guys. Yeah. There's numerous calls coming into police from other people outside the bar because at this point, the people that were in a horde standing outside are now looking down the alley and can see this happening. Yeah. There's multiple eyewitnesses, although the CCTV does not catch this. No. While waiting for EMTs and police, the group returns again to attack Lucas after they had left momentarily. They came at this back. Yeah, they left. There was no immediate sirens, and it sounds like they kind of, like, started to walk out the alley and just thought, like, let's go back for a few more minutes. Oh, my God. Lucas's face was swollen shut, and I say shut because his eyes and parts of, like, his cheeks and everything had made it so he was unrecognizable. Turns out that when they got in the first altercation out front of the bar where they were yelling at the bouncer, someone had called police. Police were out front of the bar talking to the bouncer. And I don't know if they didn't hear their radios immediately. They were physically on site. No way. But all the way around the side of the building, like quite far away from where this was happening. And it is loud outside a corner with a few nightclubs on it and a bunch of people outside. That they literally had a delay in being able to run around the corner to even help from not hearing the initial reports, it sounds like. Because, well, they're, I mean, I think it's natural that we've all seen a cop turn down their radio a little bit while they're talking to someone about Mm -hmm. an active call they're on. Mm -hmm. It's not uncommon. No, it's not uncommon. And I can only imagine he's walked up in a loud setting, turned his radio down a little bit, and is talking to the bouncer about what happened. And, like... It makes sense that they would come to the front door if they were getting calls of this altercation at the front door. Um, mm-hmm. But it's unfortunate that they were literally right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were like meters away Fuck. in theory. Hmm. When his friends can finally see him, they notice that Lucas's white shirt is now completely red. 
noticing that this would not be done from just being beaten. They can see now that he must have been stabbed. Right. Ramsey and another friend who went to move the car closer return from going around the block to find the 10 men on Lucas. So literally in the time it took them to go around the block, this attack happened because they were already waiting at the end of the alley. Right. He sees the attack happening and almost can't register what's going on. And then he hears sirens and it starts to piece together what's happening. He immediately gets out of the car and runs down the alley to try to help, but can already see, like, how bad it is. Mm -hmm. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Lucas's dad works a job in IT where his phone goes off a lot because that's essentially his office in his hand. So Mm -hmm. at night, he silences his phone, naturally. Mm-hmm. Around 5.30, he gets up. He's got to pee. Normal. He notices he has nine missed calls from an unknown number. He guesses this must be Lucas calling from a friend's house saying that he drank too much and he needs a ride home. Mm-hmm. It has happened before. He thinks, I'm going to go pee. I'm going to turn the coffee pot on and I'll figure out where he is. Yeah. Fair. Makes sense. Right. He goes pee. He's about to put the coffee pot on. Audrey calls. Lucas's mom. Mm-hmm. Immediately, she starts screaming, get to the hospital. Lucas has been stabbed three times. You need to be there with him because Audrey is in northwest Alberta on work right now. So she's going to immediately get back there, but she's six hours away. Yeah, she's not there. So she is just like, get there. He needs you. And from everything I have seen, they had an extremely amicable divorce. Like, I think they truly separated before it got bad. Okay. That's good. Um, I think they were just young and realized they had, like, outgrown each other and just took care of their kid. Nice to hear. Yeah. You hear just about a lot of bad co-parenting and bad situations and fighting over the kid. And I'm not somebody that's ever, been in that situation, either they're, like, with my own self or with my parents, but I just hear it all the time, and it's unfortunate. So I'm glad to hear. I can definitely speak to it, and I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Just make everything about the kids, but keep the kids out of it at the same time. Make everything about the kids in, like, the most genuine way. Yeah. I guess is the way that I would word that. I agree. It's a good way to do it. Mm-hmm. So Dale calls his mother because he is too distraught to drive to the hospital. She immediately picks him up. They go to the hospital. Okay. So now Dale, his little sister, and his mom are all at the hospital. Okay. They're waiting in a small room to be told that they can see Lucas or get an update on anything that's happening. When his dad walks in the room, he emphasizes essentially a feeling of relief. And he says he actually felt bad about this because the person he saw was so horrifically beaten that he was unrecognizable. But that almost made him relieved because he didn't recognize this person. There's no way it could be Lucas. Right. And then he says that he leaned over after being told it was his son. He leaned over and he smelt his hair. And in that moment, he knew that was his son. And then he said he felt his hand, and it was his hand. That was so sad. Yeah, and it was just like such a parent knowing those little things. It's the smell for me. 
And the idea that he hasn't seen his dad in over a year and his dad just knows that smell. Yeah. He has no idea what shampoo he's used, what conditioner he's used, nothing. It's just the smell of his kid. You're like, you would just, that he knows. yeah, you would just know. Like, oh, God. Something about that, like, connection so just, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Julia, his little sister, who is in the waiting room, is now also there, like we said. She's nine years old, and she wanted to go in and speak to her brother. Doctors have also said that, obviously, his outcome and his prognosis is not great. And Julia wants to be sure that she can speak to her brother in case anything happens to him or say goodbye. Sure. To the same sentiment, she walks in and she doesn't recognize him. At this point, she can see that his eyes are open just like a tiny bit the way he's laying. And she can see the color of his eyes. And she says she knew in that moment that it was Lucas. And then same thing. She's like, I touched his hand and I just knew it was him. That's so sad. Yeah. Um, Doctors pull Dale aside and they explain the severity of the wounds and that his blood pressure is starting to decrease very quickly. It's about 40 over 20. And one doctor is almost like walking and talking in circles and like stammering on. And another doctor kind of just pushes him aside and says like, your son's going to die in five minutes. Oh my goodness. Okay. At that moment... Dale just, like, runs out of the room and back into Lucas's room and just, like, drops to his knees beside his bed and, like, begs him to stay and not to go and let your mother get here. Your mom needs to see you. She needs to say goodbye. Like, just anything. Mm -hmm. And literally while he is pleading, doctors lean over and say, like, start turning off machines because they're pronouncing him dead. Like, he died within minutes of them saying that. Like, they weren't wrong. It seemed like they just couldn't stabilize his blood pressure. Right. Once pronounced dead, I think it really sunk into Dale that his son was stabbed in the heart or near it, and there was no way of recovering. Mm. But following that, they find there's actually multiple stab wounds once he's in the hospital. There's two to the upper quadrant of his abdomen, there's one in his the right side of his back and then one in the front right chest, which hit the bottom of his heart and the top of his lung. Well, so prob- it actually that probably hit. did it. Yeah. So that definitely would have been like, like fatal. his life-threatening injury in yeah. this circumstance. Yeah. However, he did have like multiple defensive wounds to like his arms and his head and The back of his head had blunt force trauma, which they concluded made up of a combined 11 head injuries, including skull fractures, brain bruising and bleeding, a concussive brain injury. Wow. That's freaking awful. Oh, these boys are horrific. Like, yeah. And, like, the fact that they came back, like, twice for me is so Mm -hmm. disgusting. You didn't have enough... You didn't get enough out of it the first time you were brutally beating somebody? No, and it's, there's like this clip in the CCTV footage that one of these guys will come to find out. And I'm just going to say it now because it kind of plays into this Mm -hmm. like coming back part. Mm -hmm. He actually like kind of like stalks them through the window of the bar when they're inside to see where they go. 
to pursue them further. Be better. Yeah. Just like be a better human. I don't know if there's a chance for these guys. Oh, no, I, I don't believe there is. I just mean in general. All of us listening all to this, of us. be better. Don't, don't do things like overarching. this. Overarching. Hey, you. If you think somebody be has better. wronged you, just walk away. It doesn't matter. Just go Yeah, like sometimes on. getting even doesn't matter. No, Most of the time it doesn't. Almost always It's doesn't. really not making anything better. Just move the fuck along with your life. Yes. And I'm not saying that Lucas wronged them. I'm just saying if you feel you've been wronged and you feel retaliation is your best option, it's almost always not. Oh, yeah, because Lucas really did nothing wrong no. in this at all whatsoever. No. He stuck up for someone who was being bullied. No, that's why. That's why I just want to clarify. I'm not saying way. he did anything wrong. I'm just saying if you feel you've been wronged and you are leaning towards retaliation, reconsider that. Just don't. Just reconsider yeah. that choice because it's almost always not the right choice. Preach. Shortly after the attack, police released two names of men involved in the attack who are going to be charged. 19-year-old Franz Carbrera was going to be charged with second-degree murder, and 18-year-old Nathan Gervais would be charged with first-degree murder. Good. Approximately 48 hours later, they release Josh Pook as an additional suspect who is going to be charged with second-degree murder. And then three weeks after the attack, um, Ashmar Schlaw is arrested for second-degree murder. And four weeks after the attack, Jordan Liao is arrested and charged with second-degree murder as well. Honestly, I know they have CCTV and a lot going for them in this case, but, like, good on the Calgary police for getting that done. Well, I think we frequently would hear after the first two arrests that we wouldn't see any more names. And it made me feel feel good that although it's not the 10 or 15 names of the people that were involved i'm glad to see they at least got more than one or two people for this well it's possible that a lot of those 10 to 15 were actually bystanders and were able to uh give the police information potentially for an exchange of their freedom um that's what i thought because it does say that there were so many bystanders and mm -hmm. i think that was a polite way of saying that you know maybe the third ripple of people out who were involved in this but just stood there. Mm-hmm. Not that they're any less guilty for letting this happen and just watching it, but they're no. probably a big reason why we were able to get convictions or arrests on these five so actively. Well, that's just it, right? You need yeah. those people to talk to you in order to get the information that you need, and in order to do that, you often need to make sure that they know that they're going to be safe. Yeah. All five of these pieces of turd shortly after their arrest, though, were all granted bail. Ugh. That's... Even the first degree murder. And this was, like, one of the hardest things for his family, like yeah. Lucas's family, because mm-hmm. they were like, you are, you convicted these people. Like, like, you are telling us they are going to be tried for these charges, mm-hmm. and yet you're like, go walk around. Well, that's exactly it. And this was a random attack. A lot of the time you will release on bail. It's like, oh, this was an isolated incident. It was targeted. The community's not at risk. This was random. Mm -hmm. And like, and all because he didn't want to take the criticism of someone saying, be nice. Well, that's just exactly it. Like there is a concern for public safety. 
and and a big I think one. anyways yeah Two years following the attack, mm. the trials are set to begin. Yeah. And trust me, there were complaints about timely trials and blah, 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 blah. They all tried to pull that card. It didn't work. Well, May they probably what? were the reason that the trial got delayed. <laughs> well, and this is going to cause a lot of delays in a way. So this trial is finally set to take place for all five men on mm. May 5th, 2016. Although they're not being tried together, all their court proceedings start that day. Okay. And May 3rd, Nathan Gervais just flees town. Because, again, he's out on bail and trusted to show up to court for a first-degree murder charge. Mm -hmm. Even his dad was like, why wouldn't you try running? You're not going to get a harsher sentence. Like, you're already getting 25 because we know the evidence is there, so why not try and flee? Sure. He's like, I honestly don't even blame him. And again, like, these are probably, are they around the same age? These are kids. Oh, yeah. At the time, Nathan at the time was, what, 18? So he's mm-hmm. 20? Yeah, so he's just like, bye. He doesn't even have a fully developed brain, and he's no. just like, yeah, why not? Yeah. Which also makes me think that he was debating fleeing, or he was under no supervision for the two years prior. Yeah. Because he either was gone prior to... And no one cared. Or he just... I don't know. Those are my opinions. Anyway. The courts decide that this is not going to hold up the trials of the other four men, though, given that they are all second-degree murder charges. Cabrera, Liao, Schla, and Pook. <laughs> terrible so they, name. I'm cu- so they were all tried separately. Yeah, for second degree. Interesting. Yes. I'm CCTV surprised that they didn't try the group together. No, because even when there's, like, appeals in the future, they all have separate all defenses. They yeah. all get to pull their own reasonings, everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they stood trial for their secondary murder charges, and CCTV footage is heavily relied on for this mm-hmm. because you can see every external interaction, including the men running into the alley, and then we know what happens from there. So it shows that Schla is actually the original one who starts out the fight out front of the club, and it's because there is a delay or a reason that he can't get his coat out of coat check quickly, and he decides to take it up with the bouncer and gets pushy with him at the door. Okay. So this seems to be what gets everyone kind of fired up, and they're all getting kind of like huffy-puffy in the video. And then we see the bouncer kind of take the group, lead them outside, and that's when we see the interaction where they're going out the bar Lucas is over at the curb and he's kind of watching the kerfuffle at the door he hears the slurs and gets involved okay he says enough with the racial names shut up blah 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 Schla rushes over pushes Lucas Lucas hits back obviously to defend himself kind of pushing and whatnot The men pin Lucas against a wall just up the street, and that's where the bouncer sees this interaction happening, walks up, separates it. Turns out that Schla and his friends walked out kind of by the alley, and this is where they start to wait for him. But CCTV footage shows Nathan go over to his car and get something, come back immediately, and then you see him kind of like lean down and look in the windows, and then he like bolts to the side where you can see them. 
It's super creepy. It's like watching a large cat stalk a prey. That is crazy. It's so animalistic yeah. the way it happens in my eyes. Yeah, no, that, I, I can picture that. Schla decides that his approach in trial is going to be that he denied all involvement. Okay. And he even went on the stand in his own defense. Oh, God. To say so. When that's... asked why he had blood-soaked shoes, he said that, oh, that's my own blood. Earlier, I got a nosebleed. Bruh, when you know, has when we got going on the fight? stand and lying in your own defense ever worked? If there's a murder charge happening, you probably just shouldn't get up there, just... in my opinion. There's very yeah. rare cases where it is... In your favor. Recommended and and you should do it. And it's very rare. And I don't know that this is one of those times. <laughs> yeah. And also you're 20 years old. Trust your lawyer. Yeah. So Schla and Gervais, it is important to note, played very high class elite local soccer. Okay. So they were very aware of how to kick. Oh. Where on their feet to use to kick. And Schla was wearing, I would say, kind of like white Keds or Converse type shoes. And you can see, and if you've ever played soccer or watched someone kick a soccer ball, you know that they use kind of the top inside edge of the foot, mm-hmm. not the toe. Mm-hmm. When you look at these shoes in the evidence photo, you can see that he used a full-on inside of their foot soccer kick. Wow. That is not your goddamn nosebleed. No. Your nose didn't bleed on one of your shoes. And then he said, oh, well, maybe it's because I walked through the scene because my group of friends. So I could have just stepped in Lucas's blood in the alley. I don't know. When they did the test, though, all the blood was Lucas's. Well, and like, was it on the bottom of your shoe or on the side of your shoe? The side. Yeah. So I don't know that you stepped in it. (laughs) No. And even if you did, which is reasonable... They would have splattered up there. Your shoes are white, buddy. Like, you can't... Come on. Mm, Yeah. Cabrera's defense also tried to say that there was no involvement, but eyewitnesses say that he physically stomped on and kicked Lucas in the face. Um, His keys were also found at the crime scene after, like, right next to Lucas. It's believed that he could have even been stabbed with these keys. After that, there's a string of texts that were brought into evidence against him. They were from Cabrera to Gervais saying, bro, I just stabbed a guy for asthma. He said, I think I killed him. I'm hiding in the alley. So Pook admittedly agrees that he was there. He did take part, but minimally with only four small kicks to Lucas. And then he left. But an eyewitness says that he saw Pook actually put one hand on the wall to brace himself while he aggressively kicked Lucas. So even if you only kicked him four times, you braced yourself against the wall to physically attack this human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you braced yourself against the wall so you could use the full force. Yeah. At this trial, six weeks of evidence were contributed Two of them took the stand, and then there were three days of deliberation. 
The jury returns, and the verdict is to convict three of the four men on these charges. Okay. So, Asmar Schlaw is guilty of second-degree murder. Franz Carbrera is guilty of second-degree murder. Josh Pook is guilty of manslaughter, given lesser charges. And Jordan Liao is acquitted. Okay. 2017, the men are taken for sentencing, Franz Cabrera and Ashmar Schlan are given life in prison given the severity of the attack and their involvement, which I thought was actually like crazy for second degree, but it is. Not. It's a it's very high for second degree murder, but I'm glad that they really took this seriously. Yeah, I think everybody involved was like, we need to make a point of this. Like, young offenders can't just keep getting off for beating someone sure up drunk outside a club. The average, or like usually recommended sentence is for around 10 to 15 years no it's 10 10 for manslaughter so probably like 15 to 20 for second degree yeah 15 i would say is like an average high well and josh who got manslaughter he even got seven years and that was after time served yeah so like they really did make a point of like really kind of hanging these guys out to dry and they should Mm -hmm. absolutely this is awful yeah. Well, and Lucas's family is just kind of keeps getting dragged because, like, Schla keeps applying for every appeal he can. So every time he applies for an appeal and his dad refuses to miss anything, he has to go to the hearing. Yep. He has to go through all the evidence again. Yep. So the family is, like, super frustrated with this because they're getting notified each time. And they know that Gervais, the main suspect, is just walking free. Yeah. Now, at the same time of their sentencing, police put one more plea up on the public, like, forum, so TV, things like that. Um, But ultimately, Gervais was actually located right around the same time in Vietnam. So, Calgary police get him returned to Canada. They've essentially wasted 20 months of time because they let this piece of shit out on bail. Otherwise, they would not have spent 20 months looking for this guy. Right, because he fled. Yeah. And in January of 2017, when the other boys were essentially just being sentenced, he was, or Calgary police were getting reached out to by, like, Vietnam's, like, embassy, essentially, and authorities saying, like, hey, we have an American here using a fake passport. We need your help figuring out who this is. Wow. So there's this big question mark, and they're like, who is this, like, random American we've just found in our country? And so, like, this is some relief to the family because they're like, holy shit, we think we found him. Amazing. He's, that's getting sorted. He's getting brought back. Schla manages to negotiate in one of his appeals that he, though, is going to get let out on $50,000 bail after being convicted because has his appeal been granted? It's under review. So he's asking to be let on on bail while the appeal is under yes, review. Yes, okay. because he knows there's active delays and the time it's going to take to process. Mm-hmm. He feels that he spent enough time waiting for his sentence due to the delay in trial the first time. Mm-hmm. And they do hold up that he is allowed out. He's on 50000 cash bail, house arrest, and he is allowed to go to work and school. Where is letting this man work still? I don't know. I'm hoping it's just a work release program. Well, he hasn't. Well, I guess I was going to say he has been proven guilty. So 
Yeah, these these men are hmm. convicted except for Nathan Gervais. Hmm. I mean, we saw it with the Jacques Delisle as well. Yeah. So it's a loophole in the system, right? It's just so messed up. Yeah. If you have any type of murder charge in your name, I just don't think you should get bail. No, I, I can agree with that. I don't think that's a big ask. And we also actually talked about that with the Andrew Bagby case and his parents. I feel like we talk about it a lot. His parents fought really hard to get those bail laws changed, and that's what they wanted. They wanted mm-hmm. absolutely no bail if you're charged with murder. Um, and what they got is that no bail is allowed if there's a child involved. Um, but Well, because it doesn't make sense that you should get bail, and then you can have active contact with this child with potentially you've like killed the other parent. Mm-hmm. Or something. Or just a child's in danger at all. But no, I, I can agree with that. I see. mean the psychological damage is so messed mm-hmm. up. But yes. So as we know, when the attack happened, Gervais had Lucas pinned between the dumpster, the wall, and the ground, and he would not have been able to escape. When the judge reviewed these conditions along with the other circumstances of the trial, following him being deported back to Calgary for trial, he says that He feels there are forcible confinement attributes to this case, along with the brutal attack. And the judge hands down a guilty first-degree sentence with an automatic life sentence with no parole for 25 years. In 2019, Schlaw and Cabrera's appeals are about to be heard. Cabrera's argument, or his defense's argument, was that The fatal wounds were not inflicted by this man. Neither were um, the wounds in the alley or any of the attacks in which would have caused bodily harm, causing death. Schlaw's defense was that the essentially that the evidence was weak. So coming back to the shoes and the items about him, his defense really just fell back on they felt like that was circumstantial evidence. You know, shoes with blood and DNA on them. They felt like, oh, pish posh, those are nothing. Right. Hmm. Why, I don't know. Okay. Like, DNA evidence is circumstantial all of a sudden. I mean, DNA evidence can be circumstantial. And DNA evidence isn't always as, like, cut and dry as we assume it to be because the DNA can prove that that piece of that item came into contact with that DNA, but it can't always prove where, when, why, how, who. There's a lot of, there's a lot of gray areas for lawyers to be able to argue against DNA as much as like, I too believe like there's DNA. It's pretty cut and dry. And a lot of the time it is. DNA. Um, but there's also like, how was it transferred? How did it get there? Um, yeah. And depending on the lawyer, if your lawyer is good enough, um, they can often argue those kind of things. Like, sure, the shoe has the DNA on it, but you can't prove my client was wearing that shoe at the time that that DNA was transferred there. That's just, that's just a, uh, an example. Yeah. Um, but I guess just with the CCTV footage, the circumstance, the I agree with you. in the shoes, like, I just don't know where they even felt like they had a leg to stand yeah. on to say this was yeah. even remotely circumstantial. Yeah. Uh, the only, uh, yeah. And the only reason that I like have that in the forefront of my brain right now is because that's a really big argument right now with the Brian Koberger case, the Idaho four. Mm. 
and yeah. the knife sheath specifically um, and oh. how his DNA was found on that knife sheath and that was the main reason why he was arrested and charged in that case and so I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about like how those defense attorneys will be able to explain away or argue that like sure his DNA is on that knife sheath but you can't prove that like he was there yeah, I mean, that could have been touched by him and taken to the scene. Mm-hmm. Like, that does not put him at the scene. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, is blo- blood's a bit different than touch DNA, though, is it not? <laughs> well, and the fact that they're like, you're kind of a soccer pro. You're yeah. a crazy good kicker. You have massive amounts of this man who is now dead's blood on your shoe in the exact location where you would have been kicking him. Mm-hmm. I just... Like you said, there's a lot of other factors at play here. That's just... I just have that, like in my brain right now because that's a huge thing in that case is that they're going to be trying to explain away that dna this though made me kind of snicker a little bit in redemption for these guys just trying to be like your evidence sucks um (laughs) essentially like the speaker at the crown council hearing just kind of like at the very beginning says like the crown council will not be commenting on this like the jury's verdicts are being held like they pretty much were like you're we're not going to waste any more time on this. They're not even going to speak. We're just going to tell you now that, like, your verdicts are upheld. We do feel that the jury made the completely appropriate call. Mm-hmm. There was no unreasonable um So they said ruling. the same thing then, like, pish posh, that's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, screw that. The evidence was great. And yeah. the other guy was like, no, you may not have inflicted the life-threatening wounds, but you supported it. You were part of the attack, and you were there. So, yeah. shh. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I want to clarify. I wasn't like saying I agree with their argument. I was just saying that no, no, that's no, like how that's how that argument comes into play. Defense attorneys argue against DNA all the time. Yeah. No, I didn't think you were arguing against Lucas. I thought you were just explaining something. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I loved it. Um, that's essentially the end of the case itself. Um. All men are sitting in prison, as far as I was aware, um, except for the Josh Fook, who was sentenced to seven years for manslaughter. I did just see when we were starting to record that um, in 2019, while out on day parole, Pook testified at a trial for Nathan Gervais, who was also accused in that trial. So he did speak up against him. Um, this is amazing i always appreciate when someone will speak up about somebody else and say their piece um but then it does appear that following that he was like at large and wanted by rcmp on september 20th um and at 30 years old he was like at large and wanted so he didn't really get his shit together he just went into drugs it sounds like it's unfortunate yeah Hmm. but that's a devastating um, case It is devastating, and I think that, of course, his whole family was affected by this, Mm -hmm. but when you watch anything about it, like I said, his dad was really, I think, maybe the one who injected himself the most to keep up with everything and be the face of it, so I think he just mentally and emotionally just is wearing it a bit more day-to-day for the family and i think it's really tearing them down yeah so i hope he gets some peace knowing now that all these guys are in jail or at least the ones who need to be there are still there Mm -hmm. um 
And on a very positive note, the following year after this attack happened, all four of his friends went to Tomorrowland Music Festival to celebrate him and just to commemorate because that night that was like their big like, heck yeah, we're going to Tomorrowland. So they just felt like. They had to see that through. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm going to cry all the way through this. I'm so glad they honored him in that way. Yeah. So out of the eight big music festivals, Tomorrowland was like the headline, like the big, big big one one of it. And they saw it through. They went. And after months and months of severe depression and just struggling with this, uh, his friends just got to have like this really incredible experience. And celebrate Lucas in a positive way rather than in trial hearings and evidence collections and police interviews. And yeah. So, Aww. yeah. If he was here today, he'd probably be a doctor out in the field saving lives. Yep. That's sad. Yeah, this one just breaks my heart. And you can hear the Crime Beat episode if you're mm-hmm. watching it. It also closes again. With the piano playing. We're all about those crime beat cases lately. I think it's just when I Google a case and I see there's something to do with crime beat, I'm like, yep. yes, this is going to be legit. Yeah, sure. And I just know that and I trust them. Yeah, yeah. Nancy does a great job. Oh, Nancy, Anthony, yeah. the whole crew. Oh. All right, well. But yeah, that's my case. My heart breaks for Lucas and, and Julia, family. his little sister. And, yeah. Yeah, Audrey, his mom, and his dad, Dale. And it's very sad. It's horribly sad. And just, I just hope it doesn't make people scared to stick up for people. No, absolutely. that's all he was doing, was just sticking up for someone who was being treated poorly. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. So. Well... If you liked this episode, you know where to follow us at Podcast by Roxy on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, You can follow our show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, um, which is super helpful for us. You can leave a five-star rating and review there. Uh, And if you have any case suggestions, any case you want us to cover in the future, you can email us at podcastbyproxy at gmail.com. But this has been lovely, and you did a great job covering this very sad case. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was horrible. Yeah. It was so tragic, but I'm glad that we got to tell his story. Definitely. Well, we will Bye see yet. everybody next week. Bye. Bye. I'll call you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck me.